Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. For more information about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, visit us at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening his word. Today's uh, scripture reading is Psalm 4. It's found on page 448 in the Bible under the seat in front of you. Um, my name is Jerry Sims. I'm the groups and men's minister here at the door. Uh, my wife Sarah and I have been covenant members for three years. We also uh, lead a discipleship group. Join a group if you're not in one. Um, okay, Psalm 4 on page 448. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O, o Lord. You put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that uh, you meet us there. And uh, Lord, we just pray that... Uh, that through your spirit, that you'll fill this room this morning, that you'll speak in mighty ways through Mark. Um, we pray that when he opens his mouth, that it will be your words. Uh, and as we open our ears, it will be your words that we hear. And Lord, change us, shape us, uh, influence us, that we can influence the world for you through this time. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning again. My name is Mark McPherson. I'm the student minister here. Uh, privileged to be on our preaching team. We are in our summer series of Poems of Praise, going through the Psalter, uh, the book of Psalms. And our sermon title this morning is In Peace I Lie Down. In Peace I Lie Down. If you've been here for a while, you know that usually I come up here and start with a, uh, a song or maybe a movie reference. Uh, maybe I'll give you three points in a sermon uh, that you can take notes with. Uh, today's a little different. Um, this, this psalm, I, when we knew we were going to do this book of psalms, I fought for it. I said, we need to do Psalm 4, uh, and, I, and I want it, and I want to preach this, this, this psalm. Um, I haven't told this story since I was on stage here uh, getting baptized back in 2018, uh, because it's, it means a lot to me, and it's close to my heart, and uh, it's just not a story I tell a lot of people, uh, but it's connected to the psalm. When I was 15, me and my buddy, we'd go to this, uh, every year we'd go to this, uh, this little island off the coast of Rhode Island called Block Island, and uh, we did his family vacation, and I was always invited. And um, one, one summer, I was 15, we, you know, we just had iPods, iPods were just invented, and we were listening to music, and uh, we were going to sleep, and he would play like heavy metal music in his ears while he went to bed, so I was like, I gotta play music, because I can't fall asleep to that. And so I'd play music, and my iPod had a, all my music on it, but also had my mom's music on it. 
And uh, there was this one song that I played that one night, and it was called uh, Light of the World by Jennifer Knapp, a Christian alternative artist. And I remember hearing this song, uh, and at the very end of it, this, this man on the song just recites Psalm 4. And I, I honestly feel like it was the first time God ever spoke to me. And I don't know if you've had that experience or not, but I just, and I'll never forget it because I, I was lying down, and I remember just like my body being stiff. And like, I couldn't, I couldn't really see anything. Like I could see, I wasn't, my vision wasn't impaired, but I had no focus. And I just remembered the Lord like speaking to me for the very first time and that impression on my heart. And it just, it never, I never forgot it. And his words never went away. Um, And he spoke to me and he, and I I can, it just sounds so weird saying it, but he said, Marky, Seek me and love me anew daily. And I never forgot those words. And I, I left that place. I, I remember I texted my parents and I was like, hey, this thing just happened. I don't know what's going on. And uh, they were like, wow, wow, wow. And uh, I, left, I left that couch. I left that vacation. And I just remember nothing changed. I was so comfortable in my distress. I was so comfortable being uncomfortable. I was so comfortable in my sin, and nothing changed. When I was 15, so I was 26, nothing changed in my life. I heard God, but I didn't, I didn't follow God. I heard God, but I didn't seek him, and I didn't love him. And I'm wondering, is that you this morning? Have you heard from his word, and yet you don't follow, you don't seek, and you don't love? Are you comfortable with your distress? Are you comfortable being uncomfortable? I look at David's words, and his, and his uncomfortableness, and his distress, he says, answer me when I call to you. Answer me when I call to you, confidently coming to the Lord in his desperation. See, this is a a cry from a desperate heart. I wonder, are cries from a desperate heart a cry that says, God, fix my circumstance. I come to you and I'm saying, fix everything. Is our cry a selfish cry? Or if you know the goodness and the mercy of Christ this morning, are you convicted like me and you realize, I'm not crying enough? I'm not calling out enough. I'm not coming to him saying, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. See, David is the Lord's anointed. The Lord's anointed. He says, God of my righteousness. My righteous God is who he's calling out to. And David's calling out to God, and he's doing it boldly because God is the God of his righteousness. David has right standing with God because God has made him the Lord's anointed. And David knows the promise that God has given him that there will be a throne that is established through David's line that's going to be established and never destroyed. David knows he has a right relationship with God. And so he approaches him boldly and says, answer me when 
I call to you, oh, my righteous God. And he looks back at God's performance. He says, you have given me relief from my distress. Looking back at all the past performances of God and saying, I know that's a great indication of your future performance. This is how you have treated me. And I know this is what you will bring to me. You will bring relief again because of your gracious character. And he says, be gracious and hear my prayer Just hearing David's prayer shows the graciousness of God. David knows that having God's ear is enough. Having his ear is enough. Not circumstance, but the fact that the infinite is intimate. Having his ear is enough. He calls out to God, and then he turns and calls out to men. In verse 2, he says, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? And David is unselfishly, unselfishly calling out people saying, if you have disrespected the Lord's anointed, you are disrespecting the Lord himself. And we know that of David because he would not strike down Saul, who was the Lord's anointed, even though Saul did wrong. And David says, as you go against me, as you turn my honor into shame, it's you opposing the Lord's anointed. You're actually going after God himself. and You're disrespecting his honor, his glory. And he says, how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? How long will you love delusions and seek after false gods? Anything that we seek after that isn't praising the Lord's anointed is false lies, vain words to puff ourselves up, false gods in our midst. And I think about what David would say to us today, how long will we set our minds, how long will we set our hearts, how long will we set our hopes on a president to fix our country rather than, rather than bowing down to the king? How long will we follow after our wallet instead of hiding in the riches of Christ? How long will we seek inclusivity in our culture rather than showing Jesus the light in the true way and the true refuge for all people, the most inclusive man in the world? How are we not showing him To our world, how long will we stay when he's calling us to go? Where are we drawn to? As summer approaches and you see the little bugs drawn to the light, where are our hearts drawn to? Where does our prayer go in our desperation? Where are we seeking to find the answer for our soul? Where does your heart cry out? The prayer of the desperate, the prayer of of desperation is only answered with relief when we know that we're praying to a gracious God and we have his ear. David says, this is how we know because God, in verse 3, know that God has set apart the godly for himself, that God has separated a people. And to separate the people for his use and for his purpose means that they are a holy people not that they're morally great, not that they're, they're holy and morally upright, but that they've been set apart just as pots and pans can be made holy in the temple. Not because pots and pans do a great job of, of following all the rules, because pots and pans have been set apart for the Lord's call. And so us, we've been set apart for the Lord's call. We are his holy people, not because we're morally great, but because we've been set apart for his purposes. And it says the Lord has set apart the godly for himself 
And the Lord hears when I call to him. That as we are set apart, we have his ear. And in our hurting, he hears us. And David begins to show that his righteous vindication appears not in outward circumstances being fixed, but appears inwardly in peace and rest and security for our souls. In our pain, in our struggle, David begins to instruct us to ponder his grace, to practice his grace, all in the presence of his grace. David begins to instruct us to ponder and practice in the presence of his grace. In verse 4, he says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts uh, on your beds and be silent. David is saying, preach the gospel to yourself. Preach and ponder and think about the grace of an almighty God. And be angry, but yet do not sin. That as we look at our world We can be angry at injustice. We can be angry at things that are against God, that are anti-God. We can be angry about the sin that's been committed against us. There's a righteous and holy anger there that we are allowed to have. But at the same time, we are to remember that, yes, we have been sinned against, but we are indeed great sinners. And we are not to judge And as we look to the judge and know that he has shown us great grace, oh, how it should melt our hearts. The book of Romans says that every mouth would be stopped, that we would hush our anger and our mouths and our venting and our our harsh tones, and we should be people who know that we've been shown grace. And we go to those who offend us and those who persecute us and those who say evil things towards us, and we show them grace. We show them the love that we have been shown. And we do this by practicing his grace. We practice his grace. Verse 5, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. We actively have to practice the grace of God by laying down the sacrifice that he wants on his altar. We lay down the sacrifice on his altar and we practice over and over again. But God is not satisfied with the blood of oxen and bulls. God is not satisfied with our good works. To practice his grace is not to be good people and go out and just do good because that's what we need to do to sacrifice to God. God is not pleased with our good works. The right sacrifice that we put on the altar of God is a broken heart. Psalm 51 verse 17 says this, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. As we lay down a broken heart before his altar, knowing that it's been shown grace, that heart has been covered by the blood of Jesus, that moves us out into the world. Not good works to show that we're great, but the blood of Jesus that shows us that we've been redeemed, that allows us to move out and love people as we ponder his grace, and practice his grace. We move out, and we rest, and we sit still, all in his presence, the presence of his grace. Verse 6 says, there are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. 
that his face, his, his countenance, his presence in our life would be the ultimate light that lifts and destroys all darkness in our hearts. That it's his very presence. It's his love that conquers darkness. It's love that conquers the darkness. It's the, it's the same call that the priest would say over the people in Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26. It says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That in his presence, in his presence, his blessings secure us. In his presence, his face, it radiates grace as we look into the eyes of Christ and know that we have been forgiven. And in his presence is our very peace. And so we ponder that grace. We practice by laying down our hearts all while we're in his presence, as we look at him face to face and know that he keeps us, he holds us, he sustains us. In verse 7, it says, in that place, you have filled my heart with more joy, more joy than when their new wine and grain abound, more joy than my grain, more joy than my daily food that I eat here on this earth, more than my comfort, God, you fulfill me, more than the acceptance of man. God, your acceptance fulfills me more than the wine, more than the things that I can drink of this earth, more than the things of these worldly things that I'm trying to find pleasure in, but it's always fleeting. More than my wallet, God, you fulfill me. You keep me. You secure me. More than my country, God, you fulfill me. You keep me in your hedges. You keep me under your wings more than my borders, God. You are the only thing that fulfills. You are the only thing that brings me the joy that my heart longs for. You are the only thing that satisfies. Like a bear trying to scratch his back on a tree. God, you are the only satisfaction that I'll ever need. You are the only one who brings me relief in my distress. Is he your satisfaction this morning? Because of his grace, is your cup full this morning? Is he your everything? His face shining upon us melts our hearts and inwardly, inwardly, inwardly strengthens us and keeps us safe that we can face anything outwardly. See, I laid on that bed as a 15-year-old kid being comfortable with my distress. I had no idea what it meant to be comfortable in my distress. I was comfortable being uncomfortable. I was comfortable in my sin, but I had no idea what it meant to rest in the provision, in the work of Christ Jesus, that I might have his peace and his security in my distress. As a kid, he said, seek me, and I didn't. But I praise God that he sought me. And as a young man, he told me, Mark, love me anew daily, and I didn't. But he loved me. He loved me so much. And years later, he brought me to his word. And years later, he brought me to himself. And he showed all the ways that he sought me. And he showed me all the ways that he loved me. And as I confessed my brokenness, he shined his light upon me. And his presence drew me in. And his grace radically transformed he spoke to me. 
He's speaking to you this morning. He's speaking to you this morning. As I, as I looked at Psalm 4 this week, and we were trying to look at it through the, the lens of David, I said, how can we see David when it's Christ so clearly speaking throughout the whole text? It's clearly his voice. Do you see him speaking to you this morning? Do you see him saying, answer me? That as he wants to stand in the gap between you and the Father, as God's wrath should be poured out on sinners like us, he stands in the middle and says, answer me, Father. Answer me, O God of my righteousness, and bring relief to this servant of mine. Bring relief to Mark, because my righteousness covers him now. And the only justice that he can have now is your presence and not your wrath. He comes to the Father and says, answer me, O God of my righteousness, bring relief because I've already dealt with the punishment. He turns and looks at us and says, how long will you turn my honor into shame? How long will you live in vain? How long will you claim my name yet not follow? He says, how long, O men, will you seek false gods? How long will you love delusions? And he convicts me in my heart when I know I'm looking for fulfillment in anywhere else other than him. He says to us this morning that I was the one cast out. I was the one set outside of the city on the hill to die for your sins. I was cast out so that you might be set apart, that you might be a holy people unto God, that you might be brought in so that you can know that the Lord hears you. He was the one who went to the cross silent like a lamb to its shearer so that when we lay on our beds, we can hear his voice speaking over us. We can hear his grace speaking over us. He was silent so that we could lay on our beds and ponder his grace and be transformed by his grace and to go out and love people in his grace because we know we are no better than any other sinner on the face of the earth. And see, he is the only right sacrifice that can redeem a wretch like me. He's the only right sacrifice. He trusted the Lord on the cross to be the only sacrifice to redeem all sin and to redeem wretches like us. He was the right sacrifice. He's the light of men. He's the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. He is the true light that shines upon us. It's his face we look into when we come into God's presence. And then the night before he died, he says, this is my body. It's the bread that was broken that you might be redeemed. He said, this wine is the new blood of my covenant. That all who put their faith in me will be redeemed and be washed clean. And all sins will be forgiven from east as west. And when they pierced him on that cross, out spilled water and the blood. And out spilled waters of living water. And the blood of the covenant that we might have life and have it abundant in Christ. Because he is our rest. He's our very rest. He is our Sabbath. When you trust in him tonight, you can go home. And you can lay on your bed and you can read verse 8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone make me dwell in safety. And tonight, a 15-year-old Mark is going to go home and speak the words of Job that said, I've heard you, but now I see you with my eyes. 
He's speaking to you this morning. He's drawing you into the light. Come with a broken heart. Come desperate. And watch how his presence transforms you. Ponder his grace. Practice it. Do it all in his presence. As John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Walk in his light. Let his face shine upon you and lie down in peace. For he alone can make you dwell in safety. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for sending your son to show us, to show us the exact imprint of your nature, to show us your grace, to live it out for us. And I pray that by your spirit, Father, you would allow us to see the beauties of Christ this morning, the light of the world. Convict us of the false idols we have and let us be drawn to you, to walk with you, to follow you, to walk in the light of life. Let darkness be pushed away from our hearts that we might show grace because we are recipients of grace. Jesus, transform us from the inside out. Let's be so confident in our desperation and say, answer me when I call to you and know that you will bring relief in our distress. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.